Welcome to the Molding Health Show. Our goal is to leverage the wisdom and experience of our healthcare practitioners to set you on a path of self-discovery and healing. These insights, coupled with a multidisciplinary approach to each area of interest, should provide an invaluable resource to everyone looking for a better approach to health. In this episode of the show, we speak to Charles Malanga about personality disorders from a counseling psychologist's perspective. Charles Malanga, welcome to the show. So we're really, really glad to have you on board. Thanks for doing this. Thank you very much. And um, it's, it's a privilege to be on the show and uh, to get to work with you, um, you know, as part of the ISOFORGE component. Yeah, I mean, I've been looking for this forward to this for a while. I think we scheduled and we rescheduled and, and stuff like that. Um, but I do want to ask, I mean, I think Shaz normally does the scheduling, but um, how did she actually convince you to be on the show? I don't know if there was much convincing that needed to be done. Um, yeah, she sent me a mail, said we'd be interested, and she gave me a few topics that um, you guys are interested in, um, you know, speaking about and disseminating information on. And, and I, you know, I chose the one that is close to the work that I'm currently doing now um, at Evixia Psychiatric Day Hospitals. And, um, yeah, I thought it's easier for me to speak about something that I'm actually currently sort of in the the heat of the rather than to try and go and think about something that maybe I'd have briefly engaged with at an earlier time, um, interested or not. I think that obviously requires a bit more um, headspace to put in. Um, and I thought, no, this, this, this one, personality disorders is right up my alley at the moment. So, yeah. And I think it's also, you know, I, I, I don't think I've spoken or done many podcasts um, in the last year or two, I think the last one I did uh, um, was in about 2020 during the pandemic in about June. And then I think actually I'm lying. I, I did I did do like a, a video thing last year, but it just felt very, at a very stressful period. So I thought, let me get back into the groove of of, of doing speaking and, and, and that kind of thing. And yeah, it's, I'm, I think I'm in sort of in that phase because I, got one or two other podcasts or just um, speaking spaces that I've been invited to as well um, in the next coming month or two. So, yeah, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, I love the work that you guys do. And, um, you know, when I say that, I mean, the more of the, you know, the Vexia, you know, day clinic uh, work. Um, I love the space that you're in. We obviously know each other for a few years now. So, yeah. you know, so I'm very glad that we're talking about it. And this topic, I mean, you already said it, but uh, I was supposed to have said it a bit earlier, but uh, personality, <laughs> personality disorders. And um, so, I mean, just to kick it off, I mean, everyone has a personality, but at some point it becomes a disorder. Can you take yeah. us through that? Yeah, um, happily so. I think that's my purpose. But um, I, you know, there's obviously the diagnostic um, statistical manual definition of that, which um, I, I can happily, you know, make reference to. Um, but I think just as a brief and as a short, I just understand it as a condition that affects um, how you're thinking, how you're feeling and how you're behaving um, and relating to other people. That's how I understand um, personality disorders per se. Um, I think if you were to look at a more textbook definition um, from the DSM-5, it's a personality disorder Um um, that is an enduring pattern of inner experience and behavior that deviates uh, markedly from the expectations of individuals' cultures um, and is 
pervasive and inflexible and has an onset in early adolescence or in early adulthood and is stable over time and leads to distress or impairment. So, you know, quite a mouthful to just basically mm -hmm. say what I what I said mm -hmm. um, uh, before. So I, I will definitely try and keep it very much to, you know, just the layman's because I think that's more relevant and 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 more relatable and understandable for, um, you know, most people, um, myself included, and probably most healthcare workers. We tend to go towards the jargon um, when sometimes it's not actually necessary. Mm, I like that. I like how you frame that as well. And, um, you know, it might just be me, you know, growing up. But, you know, you always had people that were weird, you know, like, you know, we didn't, you know, and, and it's this typical case where like, you know, when, when you know more, you actually get more scared. Because like, now we know, actually, when I look back, you know, some of those people were like, maybe they did have a disorder or something, you know, but now, you know, now when you think about it, you know, obviously, that that's the case. But I love the space that we're in right now, you know, where, you know, people know more, they, um, they have access to a lot more information. And I think that's one of the reasons for doing something like this as well. You know, our favorite, favorite saying with the show is like, um, you know, Google is not your friend because you don't know what you're looking for. You know, you, you know, like unless someone points you in the right direction, how do you know that your loved one has a personality disorder? Unless you know a psychologist like yourself, you know, like how, how, do you, how does that happen? Um, and that's kind of what we want to repeal back and say, actually, if these things ring a bell and, you know, you listen to this from Charles, you know, like maybe, uh, mm -hmm. maybe seek some help or maybe get mm -hmm. some guidance. Um, mm -hmm. So does it, does it evolve over time? Uh, and maybe, maybe talk about firstly, maybe uh, what are the types of personality disorders? Because that should start ringing some bells, maybe. Okay. Well, I think maybe I want to start because I, I like what you said that, you know, we are in an age where we are more, um, I think, more exposed to information and people are uncertain about how do you differentiate between a personality disorder and just someone's general personality type. Um, and I think most people, you know, just from my frame of reference, what I've normally seen in consultation and when someone's speaking about a loved one that they're worried about, or a specific relationship that they have with the boss or um, employer or just people that they relate to. You often hear that maybe the person has frequent mood swings. Um, um, someone is overly dependent on me. Um, someone has is extremely self-absorbed and, and has sense of vanity. Um, maybe the, you know, if a patient comes to me, um, they're experiencing um, a lot of volatility and instability in their interpersonal relationships, um, you know, social isolation. Um, sometimes there's just a lot of um, angry outbursts. Um, and I would say, I think suspicion um, and distortion about, um, you know, people and how they relate to people, you know, difficulties with making friends. Um, um need for instant gratification um for impulse control and just actually lots of stuff related to substance and alcohol abuse so that's sort of those are sort of the the common features um that i coming into this just jotted down as from what i've heard from different patients um either ones that present with personality disorder or feel that a loved one presents with a personality disorder. That's sort of the kind of stuff that they mention, um, you know, when they come in. So that, I mean, that sort of gives you an idea of um, how we sort of identify them um, within the 
within the normalcy of our day to day. Hmm. Yeah. And again, even when you put that all of that down, I mean, I'm still like, you know, in my mind, I'm like, um, yeah, sure. I mean, I can still remember people like, you know, like, especially teenagers, you know, like high school was, yeah. was you know, and, and I, I grew up at the time where, I mean, like what we knew was introvert, extrovert. I mean, like, you know, you either yeah. went introvert, extrovert, and, you know, if you were an introvert, you're already weird because, you know, you don't want to dance at the party. You don't want to do all of those. And everyone aspires to be the extrovert. And then you realize actually being an introvert is actually okay. You know, um, that's, yeah. that's normal. Um, so yeah. yeah, it's like so much of that part. And I think one of the other therapists said it, um, and I think she said, you know, when it becomes abnormal, you know, like when it seems like it's mm. over, you know, like the person can't deal with life as, uh, as an example, you know, they can't get up and they can't go to work, you know, and I think it was around the topic of depression, maybe. Um, and then we thought, okay, cool, you know, maybe that's, you know, that that's it. So would we say like with personality disorders, you know, like everyone has their personality, but, but when it becomes almost like, you know, when it starts affecting your life, when it affects your work, affects school, then it's probably something that you have to almost like be aware of. Yeah. Um, when it causes significant dysfunction in your um, fun, you know, into into in, in sort of the spheres of functioning um, and your relationships, I think that's when what you have to escalate it and you know take it really seriously. I I don't want to um, deny people the ability to feel um, and you know scare them or make them you know very preoccupied with being socially inhibited or emotionally inhibited. Um, in a sense, but it's, it's, I think the biggest thing that I would say is that it's a pattern um, that is seen um, and that pattern causes dysfunction. Um, I think that's, that's important to, to note um, in, in that, but I think everybody is allowed to, to be really angry if someone, you know, cuts them off in traffic um, in a way that's actually quite dangerous or, you know, they spilled their milk um, and they were really disappointed or you know looking forward to something that that kind of thing i, I don't think it's we must deny the human experience um i love how yeah. you said that i love how you said that because um you know we've got two kids and you know especially in the schooling environment you know like i mean obviously adhd and anxiety is like a big thing at the moment but again you know I relate that back to like when i was in school and there were certain kids that just struggled you know like they were just you know and maybe they needed more help at that time and that's you know what i was saying now there's much more information but sometimes we almost like get into this mindset and i don't know if it's just me where people just have to be like this and i think i used the example mm. in another episode where i said you know in corporate it surprises me that for such a long time i just kind of assumed that the team was just going to function at a certain level but we're all human beings and we all have our ups and downs and you know irrespective of when the deadline is or what what's expected you know you when i think of it in retrospect i always think how did we even do that because you know it was almost impossible you know based on what what i know now about you know having children and just you know doing life um mm -hmm. you yeah but uh, i like how you said that because that is mm -hmm. you know people shouldn't forget that and i think the dsm5 has you know probably <laughs> what what i find quite interesting about it they normally tell you like sometimes the time period you know if this yeah. is happening for a certain time you know if it's more than a month then maybe you mm -hmm. need to look for help you know so if maybe mm -hmm. they're dysfunctional for a prolonged time but if they're mm -hmm. just having a, a bad day maybe you know don't call charles yeah 
Or you can call Charles, but <laughs> <laughs> cool. The agreed. Um, on that point, we'll definitely have your your. If anyone has any doubts about it, we'll have your details in the show notes. So if they did want to, you know, reach out to you, they can. Um, in terms of the personality types, what are they? Um, so I know one is bipolar. I mean, I know there's like stuff around anxiety, um, but yeah. can you take us through that? I mean, is there a definitive list, or is it? Yeah, well, there is a definitive list, um, and and bipolar actually falls under a mood disorder. Uh-huh. Um, but often I and I and, and I'm seeing it more and more. People are confusing the symptoms that you would find um, in bipolar as um, a personality disorder, and it's actually more indicative of a borderline personality disorder. But I think I'll take you through my understanding. Um, of the personality disorders. There is 10 uh, fixed personality disorders, and that is um, paranoid, schizotypal, schizoid, borderline, um, histrionic, narcissistic, social, dependent, um, avoidant, and obsessive-compulsive. And how I sort of remember them and how we remember them is to cluster them. Um, So the first three I mentioned, paranoid, schizotypal, um, and schizoid, are um, just of a a, a eccentric nature and where people are socially or emotionally inherited um, in how they relate, whereas you get um, a cluster B type, which is indicative of sort of emotional instability, um, uh, sort of dramatic flair, um, erratic flair as well. Um, and that's the borderline histrionic, uh, narcissistic and antisocial personality disorders. And then you get um, uh, dependent, obsessive, compulsive and avoidant personality disorders that are more, uh, um, I think, fearful and anxious um, based type of personality. So that's how I classify them. And it's a three, four, three sort of structure between uh, the different clusters of personalities. Um, yeah, I think that sort of gives it to you in a, in a, in a, in a nutshell. Um, I think you mentioned anxiety as well. That's not necessarily a personality disorder, mm-hmm. uh, but it does contribute to sort of, you know, there is an underlying anxiety often associated um, you know, a, a lot of the times with with all uh, personality disorder groups uh, to some degree or varying degree or another. So that contributes. But you also do get um, change in personality uh, due to medical conditions. So someone might have, you know, actually had quite a balanced uh, personality or very functional personality structure. Um, and then due to you know, some traumatic brain injury or significant um, physical or medical impairment of some sort, you know, their personality structures then change. Um, Yeah, so, you know, that's sort of the stuff that you'll get. And then sometimes you might get people that, you know, meet a lot of the traits or criteria, um, according to the DSM-5 at least, for a personality disorder, but they don't meet the full criteria. Um, and, you know, that is still a person that you would consider as, um, you know, functioning with um, significant personality disturban- disturbance, but you obviously can't pinpoint um, a specific um, personality disorder per se. Mm. 
Yeah, I, I like how you split that out. Um, and when I said anxiety, I mean, uh, I'm probably, you know, always talking about like um, more with the bipolar stuff. That's the only thing I could remember, to be honest. Um, and the way I remember that was uh, I watched a series. It was called Homeland, um, you know, with, yeah. uh, and, you know, it was about the CIA agent, you know, Claire Danes played the lead character. And it won lots of Emmys because it was like so brilliant. And she played the character you know, with the CIA, of the CIA agent who had bipolar. And when she was off the meds, she was like, you know, like, like really crazy. You know, she would do like these very, you know, eccentric things. But what it helped her to do was think through problems so much more better. And I think we had someone on, you know, we were talking about bipolar and she said, you know, that side effect of, you know, having bipolar was like they could think laterally and, and stuff like that. And she intentionally like put herself, you know, took herself off the, I think it was lithium, you know, um, just so that she could think in that way. And I thought that was interesting. But, um, mm. you know, it's such a complicated topic that um, I think, you know, for anyone experiencing it, you know, this must be very difficult. I think for anyone around, you know, people like that, that must be really difficult. And um, for me, again, you know, I always go back to my own experience, but I worked with uh, quite a few colleagues. And only later on did they say that, bipolar <laughs> while we worked because we worked in software development as well you know most people are kind of weird sometimes and you always think oh, okay you know they were just weird even in a social setting well <laughs> especially in a social setting but um and um but yeah later on you know a few of them came back and said you know i've been diagnosed with bipolar and i thought okay that okay. was interesting you know like it's interesting that they actually realized that even if it was many many years later and they found the right help um yeah. Do you find do you find people a lot more perceptive of their own condition? Like, uh, you know, when they come to see you, do they actually know that there's something not quite right? I think the moment you are coming to seek help, it's because you I've identified that um, you know something's not right and something needs to change, and you are not enjoying the way that you're functioning. So, uh, you know, like I said, I think at the point where you are coming to get help, you are aware that there's something, whether you are receptive of, of integrating, you know, the full scope of what is wrong or, you know, what your source of dysfunction is, is another, you know, question um, altogether. But I also think, you know, there are some people that are just maybe living in denial that they need a bit more help, um, you know, than they need. And they are, you know, able to still meet deadlines, still sort of, you know, get away with, you know, certain things in their interpersonal relationships that allow them to continue navigating um, through life without uh, seeking the appropriate help. So it's sort of a mixed bag. Um, you, you know, you can want help, but not be willing to, do what's necessary to receive the help. You can be in denial that you need help. Um, and it just, you know, it all varies um, and how willing and receptive you are to um, changing. I think that's the biggest part, changing what needs to be changed for you to live a better um, and more healthy um, life. Mm. Um, on the brief, we also had, um, can, you know, is it possible for someone to have more than one? personality type um, yeah yeah it is it's actually very common um you know but I, you know i i think the moment you have a personality structure that is you know somewhat disturbed from you know early childhood or in the adolescence there's often 
I almost want to say is that you've got a stable, you know, sense of self. And the moment you move something one way, then it also compensates by moving something the other way. And so they sort of, uh, I almost want to say a, a multiverse um, that, 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 that happens, you know, you, you can't move one thing without moving a few other things out of place because that's how you maintain the balance or how you maintain the, the personality structure and some kind of functioning. So often, um, you know, more, of, more often than not that there is cases where there is more than one personality, but I often find that maybe that there is rather one personality component that is um, the strongest amongst that. And um, that is sort of maybe the focus of the treatment, but um, sort of how I work um, and how we also work um, within the hospital um, that I'm involved with at Vixia, um, we work with the self and understanding the self, because if you can understand the self, then you can consolidate all the, the disturbances and dysfunction into, into, you know, what that person wants, needs, um, and what they are experiencing or what they are feeling. Um, and I think that is probably the best practice rather than to focus on just fixing um, one personality and then actually might be causing dysfunction in, in, in other ways. So, you know, the focus is very much on, on the self per se. Mm, I like that. Yeah. I mean, uh, mm. I've always said, I mean, uh, I think the world definitely needs more psychologists um, and counselors, you know, to, to help yeah. us. I mean, because I mean, it's stressful at the moment. And, and I think, you know, we've had, you know, to topics around depression and suicide. And, and it's amazing how people, I mean, like they don't really know that they're struggling. And I think once you, you know, what you just said now, when you, when you get this, this sense of like self and you know, what's not right and what, what is right. Um, and how are you feeling? I think it's such an, uh, you know, it's such an easy thing to say, but like, how are you feeling about this? How are you feeling about that? I think, you know, definitely, I think people would become better you know, and especially if they know where to go for help. I think that's the thing that also people struggle with. You know, if we take the economic factors out, obviously, as well, because I think still it's still quite expensive, you know, to find the right care uh, and to, you know, meet up with the right professionals to be able to help you. But, um, you know, we, we also, I mean, coming back to, you know, being parents, we're actually so mindful of like, you know, sometimes like, you know, we're doing the right things for our kids, you know, to make sure that they don't actually end up with a disorder or something. And uh, so my question around this is that, is it environment related? Is it genetic related? I mean, again, this, there's no, probably there's no research to conclusively say this, but is there anything that, I'll, I suppose, reframing it, is there anything that we could do to almost help us not to get a personality disorder? It's a good, good question. Um, I think the first thing that sort of stands out for me in what you ask is, you know, is it nature or is it nurture? Um, and I understand it a bit of, you know, both. Um, so the, the, the nature makes you sort of predisposed to um, having a certain, um, you know, personality disorder or, you know, mental health difficulty or condition. And that's unavoidable. Um, if that makes sense, you know, you can't sort of control that. Um, and I, I don't think one should try and control that. And so I, I think by the time you are um, born and you are needing help or you're seeking treatment, then it becomes a question of how can we nurture the individual in a way that um, 
one protects them. Um, and when I say protect, you know, it's obviously, you know, the literal sense of it, protect, you know, protect them from, you know, certain traumatic instances or, um, you know, the way that we engage with them, as well as then empowering them to know what to do when they are faced with significant stresses, because that's actually, that's the source of the personality, dis the, the disturbance. It's significant stresses that are imposed on an individual and especially in childhood that um, the child is not equipped to cope with, um, uh, be it through a traumatic instance or it through uh, parenting um, and dysfunctional parenting. Um, and that's often, you know, if you get dysfunctional parenting, you probably find that the parent themselves um, are struggling with their own um, mental health difficulties uh, and more often than not, their own personality uh, disorder traits um, or, you know, kind of emotional disturbance. Um, and so, I, I mean, I'm, very glad to hear that you um, as a parent are thinking, how can we make sure that we are not impacting on our children um, in that way? And that means that you're conscious of what your impact is and how you're parenting. Whereas I sometimes think that parents are not, and um, they, you know, they, they subscribe to, well, this is how my parents did it. So this is how I'm going to do it with my child. Um, and the challenge with that is that then, it's not about the child anymore. It's about how you perceive as the right way to parent your child. Um, and so then you lose um, the needs of the child. You lose sight of the child. You lose um, your ability to hear the child's needs. Um, so I think that's sort of what I would say around the environmental conditions or you know nurture conditions um, towards preventing um, and also just navigating um, personality disorders or uh, any mental health difficulties and challenges. Okay. So, so definitely some component of genetic, but yeah. um, definitely environment, you know, there could be a traumatic yeah. experience or, or something that kind of caused that. Um, going back to the parenting thing. Yeah, we try, Hey, but I think it's, it's difficult sometimes, you know, to yeah. keep that stability all the time. And I think, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's always a challenge, I think. But, um, you know, and, and also, you know, we tell our, our kids because, you know, when we grew up, it was always, you know, from a poor background. And, you know, you always knew that when you started working, you had to obviously, you know, take care of uh, the family and extended family sometimes. Uh, but with our kids, we say, you know, we just want you to be the best version of yourself. You know, you don't really have to yeah. you know, worry about us. And I think if you can get to that mm. level where it is about them, you know, mm. to a large extent, I think that's that's pretty cool. We do try. Mm. But like I said, you know, it does. Sometimes it is difficult. I'm, I'm like not a morning person, as an example. I mean, I, you know, someone told me before we had children, actually, you give up this morning thing forever. I mean, like, oh, oh yeah, really? <laughs> there would be some intentionality around that stuff, but um, yeah. So I think you know that stuff uh, is is difficult on my side on a personal level, but um, yeah, I think I, I learned to deal with it. Um, I can now remember on my one hand how many times I've woken up past eight o'clock or seven o'clock <laughs> because my boys normally up at like half past. You know, if he's up like past half past six, it's a problem. This morning he was up at five and it's a Saturday. <laughs> it's like yeah. crazy. Yeah. Oh. Of times. Um, are you a morning person, afternoon? Well, I I think it's it's been life life stages and transitions have demanded different things of me. So 
I'd have probably said that I was a, a day slash night person um, in my teen and um, early adult life. And then slowly, you know, as I've gone on, I've sort of the demands of, you know, my life have meant that I have shifted more towards being a morning person, you know, so get up, um, you know, with enough time to, um, you know, get get a good exercise or run in, um, you know, make yourself a good breakfast and then, you know, get going to work. So I also don't like traffic. So I think that's also contributed to uh, being a morning person. So, uh, you know, that, that, that kind of thing, I, I've had to change. My personality uh, structure has had to adapt um, as well um, so that I uh, was not dysfunctional when I got to work or, um, you know, just frustrated the whole time because of all these stresses that I was not managing. So I've changed it. And so now I'm one of those people that like, when I see eight o'clock, I just think, okay, that's my time now. It's I'm ready to go to bed and 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 have a good sleep. But I think there's advantages to to all. Um, I read somewhere um, a while ago actually that you know we we shouldn't be too preoccupied with are you uh, uh, an early bird or a night owl because the night owls actually keep watch over the the early birds. Um, so you know there's there's advantages to 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 all of it actually okay yeah i'm I'm glad I, it sounds like it's off topic but it's actually such a such an interesting because you mentioned coping skills which i want to come back yeah. to now but this is a yeah. coping skill as well i mean uh, yeah. i remember i was in the u.s for about two years and when i got back uh, we worked in ravonia and yeah. i was like there's no way you know i'm gonna sit an hour in traffic i mean yeah and so i got a place just up the road in morningside and, um, you know, so it was, even if I woke up at half past eight, which is what I would do, uh, you know, and I would still be in the office by half past nine. And because it was a development team, you know, everyone is getting in after 10. I would still be one of the earliest. And that was my strategy. You know, it was a coping skill. I didn't realize it yeah. at that stage, but there was no way, you know. And, yeah. and I find, you know, when people say, you know, I, I actually I actually took my kind for a service and I'm speaking to the service advisor and she says, uh, which is in Santon. And yeah. she said, no, she stays in Springs, which is about 70 Ks, you know, and in the morning and in the afternoon, I don't know how you would do that. I mean, it's just, you know, and so I, I think, you know, my, my point around this is sometimes you have to almost change your environment or change how you want to work in order to give yourself a better chance of just keeping exactly. some sanity. Do you agree with yeah. that? Exactly. I actually think your you know your example about the it's it's a perfect uh, indication of how um i think personality structure forms it's based on the situation that you are in and then how you choose to manage it and how you cope and so you decided you know i'm going to live closer to work so that i feel highly functional um otherwise if i don't live close to work and i live for example in pretoria and have to beat that traffic, then I will be a very angry person when I get to work. Um, mm. And that, that, that causes dysfunction. So, you know, it, I think it is very relevant. It's actually a very practical and real life example of how, how we manage and cope with, with different stresses. Mm. Um, I'm glad you said that uh, because, you know, when we talk to, uh, again, this is, sounds really weird, but I didn't know that adults have ADHD until a few months ago. I mean, I like, 
it like never crossed my mind to be honest and it's kind of embarrassing but like you know then we had a you know educational psychologist on and he was talking about you know um adults and adhd and again the same with bipolar and anxiety and depression uh you know when i think back i think okay cool you know there were certain people that i thought okay maybe that actually they fitted them pretty well hey that they just never got the diagnosis and what Dane said, I think um, there was the psychologist, and what he said was quite interesting was he said, actually, people could have ADHD and then they build up the coping mechanisms to be able to deal with it. You know, and so, yes, you can go down the medication route and lots of them do, but it's also about the coping mechanisms. You know, it's about the coping skills. And I like what you said, you know, about Avexia and how you, you know, it's about understanding the self. Part of that is that building up the coping skills is that... Um, people just yeah. deal with their personality disorders yeah it's it, i think the biggest thing is that you have to know who you are what you like what you don't like what works for you what doesn't and you know then you learn to accept that and make it work for you because you're not going to get a different self if that makes sense you know that's you've got that one and you've got to you got to make it work for you mm-hmm. um and i think a lot of people are often trying to to deny themselves of that or to try and adapt and meet um, everybody else's needs, but their own. Um, and I think that's also a significant part of, um, you know, personality disorders as well. So hundred percent, we, we, we help, we help patients um, that come to Vixia to figure that out actually. Mm. I love that. I mean, I love that work. I mean, um, and, you know, uh, in the Molding Private Practice Show, you know, we'll talk about, you know, how you became a psychologist and stuff like that. And, you know, people put so much of emphasis on what you do rather than who you are, it seems. Yeah. You know, because as a child, you yeah. know, like, do they really tell, you know, actually, I think you do, you know, I think you would be better with this. Yes, I know there's it, assessments and stuff like that. But, you know, if you look at the schooling system, when we grew up, it was so academic, you know, academic focused. And I'm not sure. Yeah. If that's changed that much if i look at our children um you know in terms of how they're going through school and these are at better schools you know than we had access to um but i love that yeah i i mean if if i can add commentary on that i think it's because maybe many years ago we were in a world that um information wasn't as easily accessible and so the um gatekeeper of knowledge were sort of the people in authority positions um, like teachers, parents and that and it was a didactic sort of system so it was you know you pass on the information and that is the law and you know the child believes that because they have no other frame of reference and now you have uh, uncle and auntie Google um, Mm -hmm. and you know so many other ways that people can access information so people are going to question information um, and so, you know, maybe education and how we interact with people needs to move away from a didactic approach and more uh, experiential or interactive um, way of, you know, understanding the world and understanding how things work and, and educating people because um, there's, there's more latitude in the learning these days um, than they maybe were, was, you know, 20 years ago or so. Um, yeah, but that was just 
it's something I was thinking while you were talking about education. I thought I don't want to miss the opportunity to add my comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I love the comment. And, and, and I, I say, and, and because we were talking about coping skills, is like I've asked a few times on the show as well, is like most people don't seem to know that. I mean, like it's, mm. it's weird, but they don't seem to know like their own body, for instance. You know, I took this medication. You know, how does it make me feel? Mm. And I think there must be much more of that conscious like awareness um, you know, if I do this, what's the knock-on effect? I mean, we can even yeah. think bigger. You know, we can think social context, you know, country context, all of those things. But, you know, if I do this, what's going to happen? If I do this, what's yeah. going to happen to me? You know, um, and I think lots of this, I mean, that's where substance abuse and stuff like that happens. It's like, I think we always, we're not sure, you know, what the effects are going to be. And we just make decisions. Um, but I think, you know, that's why, again, coming back to the coping skills, coping to, uh, coming back to what you said about understanding the self, I think the more emphasis, like what you're doing at Avexia now, the more emphasis there is on that, the more people would know, actually, yes, they can speak to uncle or auntie Google and then see, actually, you know, the stomach issue that I'm having, is that normal? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I've just been dealing with that. Um, also, what I like about what you said, um, you know, that authority figures, you know, for us yeah. as a culture, I mean, you always like see like practitioners, oh, you know, doctors, okay, I'm, I'm not going to yeah. say practitioners, because we didn't know many practitioners, but you definitely know new GPs, you know, and but if someone puts on this, the white coat and the, you know, stethoscope, you know, you always assume that they know more. And yeah. for a large part, that was true. But they yeah. don't know more about your body. Like they don't yeah. know about what's happening with you. And recently, I was trying to tell that to my mom, obviously, you know, because we grew up in that, that generation where, you know, like the doctor should know everything. And I was trying to tell her, you know, that actually he doesn't, you know, you need to tell him, you know, these things are happening, and then he can probably help you in the best way. But, you know, I think for a long time, she was of this mindset that you just go to the doctor and then you just, you know, and then he would just know, and he would give you the right, you know, right tablet to take. And I was like, I don't think it works like that. You need to go to him, you know. And um, yeah. so coming back to that is like, I think if you have that sense of awareness, then you can know, actually, I do need to go to Vexia or I do need to speak to Charles. And I think this might be it. But maybe Charles can point me in the right direction because I think, you know, what I thought, you know, then you can say, actually, no, I think it's more leaning towards, you know, this category here. And then maybe that spurs on thinking. Yeah. Um, but going back to the topic, does it get worse with age, though, does, in terms of the a personality disorder? And is that linked to coping skills would be my second part to it. I, I think what I'm about to say is my opinion, not um, like tangible knowledge or, you know, somewhere that you can get it from research. But what I've seen is that if you understand the psychology the psychological development or the structure um, and how we we age and how we develop. When you are in your adolescence, you are in a stage where you are experimenting and you're trying to consolidate um, or just explore different parts of yourself and your identity. And this is actually where a lot of the personality disorder starts to um, brew, if that makes sense. It's already maybe by the time you are age 12, stuff that might have happened in your childhood might have really contributed but then this is the stage where it starts to brew and to fester um, and then you see you know certain behaviors coming out acting out and then I find that actually by the time you get into your um, 
uh, you get past your early early adulthood and and moving into your middle aged um, section, you are free from you know things that you don't necessarily like or um, you're just more able to pursue your desires um, and you know sort of your needs. And so suddenly you can sort of start correcting. Um, you know, significant personality dis- disturbance. Well, this is without treatment, that is, but you can already start uh, addressing certain things. Your relationships might challenge you and require you to adapt and change. Your occupation might require you to adapt and change. Um, or you find ways to suppress that. Um, but then if it is not stuff that has changed or resolved, you know, by the time you start getting into... Um, your old age, then physiologically your body also starts to deteriorate and and then you start experiencing more medical related conditions. And then that might actually trigger uh, or or even cause uh, significant personality disturbance. And then by that stage, often you lose the opportunity to repair that unless you obviously go to psychologists. And then it can get significantly worse, actually. it can also get worse if you are in an environment that sort of doesn't challenge you or it does, or I mean, some to some degree, even um, uh, supports uh, your dysfunction. Um, you know, so it, it, if left unattended to, it can just fester and become an even more diabolical or worse situation. So uh, I want to agree that, that it, it, it gets worse with age, but at the same time, I think that some, in some ways, um, if your environment um, fosters it, you you can actually reduce. I'm not saying completely be cured or anything like that, but you can reduce some of the dysfunctional ways that you you are engaging. Um, and this is all you know without therapy. Obviously, if you're within therapy. Um, you know, with the right kind of therapist um, that can help you grow and figure, you know, your stuff out, then, then, then it, then it can listen. And then, you know, suddenly within your old age, you're not, you're not um, operating in, in, in dysfunctional ways. So in a long winded way, Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> I love that answer. <laughs> Covering both the bases. <laughs> but uh, I agree with you. I mean, obviously, depending on each person. And I mean, you know, there's no clinical findings around it. But I, I just had the thought that, you know, if you didn't get the right intervention, which you said, I think, a few times, you know, if you didn't have therapy or you didn't find someone to help you through that, um, you know, I can imagine that that does get difficult. And uh, I just... Mm. Uh, you know, I mentioned colleagues before, but yeah, there were certain things where, you know, you put that in a stressful environment and stressful clients and it was like a mix, you know, it was just explosive most of the time. And I think, you know, that's, that's the stuff that happens. And, um, you know, especially in a corporate environment, and I'm sure anyone listening to this, and if you're in a work environment where you don't have full control of the, over the environment, which most of us don't, um, you can't control that. So it's like, you know, how best you suppress it. And if you don't, if there's no outlet there, I mean, the outlet is coming somewhere else. I mean, it's either at home yeah. or, you know, and I think, yeah, you can talk a lot more in terms of how how that, you know, presents maybe in a home scenario and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, that seems to be how it works. Um, I did, I did want to ask, when you say early, early adulthood, what age are we talking about? 
Well, I think that's probably between the ages of just after you turn 18. So 18 till, you know, 25 or so. Um, because you sort of are still in a phase where there is some kind of formal schooling um, in education, but you also have a lot more uh, liberty um, than you would have previously experienced in your adolescent years. But because you're in sort of an environment where there is still uh, development that is happening in terms of understanding yourself, understanding your ideas and beliefs, um, and also you are formalizing um, your your education and working towards that being an occupation. You know, there is still an opportunity there in in essence to understand more of yourself and your identity, which which will also cause some significant disruption or disturbance within the personality structure as well. And so, yeah, that is, you know, that's all sort of why I, I mentioned that in that sort of adolescent and early adult, adult phase, because it's it sort of all on one conjoint and spectrum, but yeah. Mm. I, I like that actually. And I'm glad I asked that because um, I could definitely, definitely with me, I found, because that was the varsity time, you know, it was your first oh. job and you're trying to impress, but you don't really know what you're doing, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and you don't realize how important relationships are and also understanding companies. You know, understanding yeah. how cultures work, how things get done and things like that. Um, and then it was only like late 20s and 30s, you know, like you start yeah. figuring out actually yourself and your value and, you know, how you kind of can fit in the world. And um, yeah, and then I find the 40s because I'm in my 40s, you know, like you seem to like start to mellow out a little bit. You know what you want, you know, you, you're much more <laughs> directive about it. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, uh, the other thing I would say is like, you know, depending on life, um, yeah, you know, like different things bring out different aspects and, you know, you almost like need to be prepared for that. Like parenthood, you know, I joked earlier about yeah. it, but, you know, that brings its own challenges, I think, you know, so yeah. I think if you don't get the right help in terms of coping with just your own stuff, you know, whereas yeah. these different scenarios come up, you know, it seems to make it worse. Um, yeah. Is that what you find as well? There's certain triggers I, around it. I'm, I mean, just on the topic of that, you know, being a parent and parenting, uh, just prior to this, I, I had, um, we normally have a Vixia training uh, group uh, that happens every second or third week. And we had one this morning. And, um, you know, we were sort of going through a, um, a case study, um, you know, with the significant effects of, uh, parenting um, causing dysfunction within a child or within an individual, and um, and you know it just became more and more clear as we were speaking through the case that um, you know the way that that parent was particularly operating was because they already had their own emotional disturbance and they hadn't you know figured out ways to cope with it, ways to be themselves. Um, and, and, and actually ways to parent more effectively rather than to just repeat uh, blindly or not um, what they had experienced from their child. So huge, huge part of, you know, the, the biggest part of parenting that people often, it, it, you have to have a relationship with your child. Um, and for you to have a relationship with the child, there needs to be two people in that relationship, two full people 
Um, and the biggest responsibility that the parent has is to, to contribute to this healthy and full child or this full person. But if you yourself are struggling with that, then it's very difficult for you to um, help help them through that process. Mm. You know, I love the one saying, and I think it was an OT that actually mentioned this the first time I heard it. Um, OTs are great. <laughs> they're like so actionable, eh? which is like amazing. Uh, but, but, but like, yeah, yeah, it's so logical with this stuff. And she's, she just said, uh, you know, you can't, um, you can't treat someone from an empty cup. And, uh, you know, it's, it's so true. It's like, if you haven't sorted out your own stuff, how are you going to sort out someone else's stuff? You know, and, you know, you mentioned parents and children, but it's the same kind of thing. It's like, you know, if you haven't sorted out your, your own, like, I'm, I'm going to say finances, I'm going to say, you know, like job scenario in terms of stability, how are you going to tell your child that they need to do it? Because it's so easy to bark orders, right? But yeah. to actually live it, I mean, how do you do that? You know? Yeah. We actually had a family friend and he was busy telling his daughter, you know, she needs to save 80% of her income. And I was like, which world, you know, show me an adult that does that. I mean, you know, then I would say, okay, cool. You know, like, let's go. And I would say, you know, find me a five. If you can find me a five that does that. But it was so easy for him to tell his daughter, actually, you need to do this. Uh, and you can't, you know, so that, that's my whole thing. It's about, you know, that authentic self. You have to. You have to live it before you can tell someone else actually they need to do it. And yeah. That's what people forget. Do you, you have any thoughts on that? I, I don't have any thoughts because I fully and 120% agree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. And, and I think we're coming back to coping mechanisms and we're coming back to like understanding yourself. And I think part of it is that, you know, I found once you start you know, that's, that's why I, I love working with, you know, healthcare practitioners, because yeah. they help you to unlock some of these things, because, you know, you don't know what you don't know. But until you go to, you know, a psychologist or an OT or a physio, and they start yeah. unblocking some of these things for you, then only you can almost like realize, you know, who that yeah. true self is. And yeah. that's why I love, you know, love the work that you guys do. Because, um, and, and I think there's more scope, you know, like, like for me with kids, I think there's more scope for them to have OT at school. I mean, I think, you know, yeah. more kids yeah. should have OT at school. You know, it should be almost yeah. mandatory as like a subject. Um, yeah. You know, we have physical education. Mm. But, um, uh, yeah. yeah, maybe they need to have emotional education as well. And then you can switch between OTs and, and, and psychologists or, um, and, and helping them understand themselves a bit better. I don't know. I, I think I, and the reason I'm only I'm commenting on that is because so many of the patients that we have uh, treated at Vixia, you know, often say in their last few days, you know, I wish they taught us this stuff at school. I wish they, you know, helped us understand our feelings. And this would have been more useful than me doing, you know, some arbitrary subject that didn't make sense because this is tangible. This is an essential life skill. Um <laughs> And then sometimes I wonder whether they would have been receptive to hearing it at that age, um, or they, you know, they would have just thought, oh, "I already know this." So it's <laughs> it, all of that. But I, I, I guess you won't know unless you you try and um and and do it. So mm. yeah, and but yeah, maybe they do do that in life orientation to some degree now. I don't know what the curriculum is is like. 
Yeah, I think the school that our daughter goes to, the high school, is actually an educational psychologist that's in charge of that. And I thought that's actually really amazing, you know, that uh, because I, I was going to say, you know, the, the people that are actually doing life skills and stuff like that, hopefully they, they trained enough about it, you know, that you could say, actually, this person should be doing that. Um, because I know, you know, looking again in our schooling career, you know, I think there's some, some people that probably weren't fit, you know, to do certain certain subjects but you know i think that's what they got and that's what they did um this might be a null and void question but um does it does it get better with time i mean i think for people with a personality disorder and what happens if it's not treated i think maybe those there's, there's two parts to that it's if it does get treated does it get better or um i think i think i think with the right kind of care um it can get better with time, but if left unattended, then you are sort of, okay, so maybe I, I must just divide your question into two. So if it left unattended, you know, you're sort of hoping that life um, through experience, through uh, intrinsic uh, motivation or will or ability to, you know, self-reflect that they can, you know, change something and that their relationships or their occupations um, foster an environment in which they can grow and develop and, you know, that things don't get perpetuated. But if left unattended and nothing significant helps them figure out how to change, um, then, then it can cause a bit of dysfunction, I would say, um, at a later stage, because um, you know, as you age, then, you know, some of your relationships start to fall away. You know, some of the things that you occupy your time with um, start to fall away. Um, and then and then you have problems at the later stage. Um, and then I think, you know, on the other side, if they are able to get help, I think the right kind of help um, can is necessary because... You can actually, um, sadly to say, but, you know, get um, health practitioners that actually do more harm um, than good and, um, and, you know, are not actually helpful for the patient. They actually make the situation a bit worse um, and then make the, the patient uh, more resistant, um, you know, to changing anything. So it's also uh, equally as important. Um, but I maybe speaking from an idealistic point of view in terms of what I do in my private practice and what I um, am very passionate about doing um, at Evixia, and that is that and it can get better and you know people can be helped to work through their stuff if they are willing and they are able. Um, I think that is, you know those are probably the two most important parts that. Um, the person needs to have if they're willing and they're able obviously willing and able will include a lot of uh, different things um, but yeah if they are willing and able to do what is necessary then then it can happen it can change and they can get better mm. i like that um, and i think going back to what we said earlier you need you need to know yourself and you need to know if this therapist is actually working for you and also on the therapist side they need to know when they have to refer out. I mean, I think that goes without saying, but I think if we take a patient-centric view on it, you know, they need to know, actually, this doesn't seem right. You know, this does seem right. And I think yeah. um, that will help. Um, and if I ask, 
So let's assume someone listening to this, I mean, they actually know, actually, this seems like I do have a personality disorder. Um, mm -hmm. How, and then they actually reach out to a psychologist. How does, how does therapy normally work? And, you know, you can relate it to your own practice, if, you know, obviously, because that mm -hmm. makes the most amount of sense. But how would, how would you normally help uh, a patient with a personality disorder? Okay. I think, so obviously when the person presents, they might not present and come and say, you know, I have a personality disorder. They'll just say, this is what I'm struggling with. Um, and I think it's important to understand what the patient is in front of you. They need a holistic change uh, or intervention rather, or do they need um, something very specific to just my function as a psychologist and what I can do in therapy. And that's how, to help them figure out them, their, their, the self and the need um, and sort of what I would look is you know sort of what their life um, looks like do they have adequate support um, you know how are they functioning within their work how are they functioning within their interpersonal relationships um, you know what is their ability to integrate and understand information and to be self-reflective and so that will inform whether you know they can just stay sort of within my care or whether I need to also refer out to uh, maybe a dietitian or occupational therapist or psychiatry for um, additional support. So, you know, so that that sort of informs, um, you know, but what I'm often finding, and I don't know, maybe it's, it, you know, it's the kind of people I'm attracting through referrals or, um, you know, through word of mouth that they are pay, a lot of the patients I'm receiving often are in need of, um, you know, some kind of psychiatric evaluation. Um, and in, I'm, I'm in a position that at least I can refer into that space at Evixia. Um, and that sort of involves just the consultation, um, gathering of collateral information, as well as psychometric assessment that just helps us holistically see what the patient is struggling with um, and how we can um, um, assist um, and advise them um, about how to, you know, go about their life. Um, and that's in a holistic and a multidisciplinary way. Um, and, and that more often than not is actually what is necessary to uh, determine whether the person um, has personality disorder traits um, or whether there is significant dysfunctioning that indicates um, severe, severe um, psychological pathology. Um, but in terms of a diagnosis of a, a personality disorder, it actually, it takes time. Um, I think people are very quick to label and say, oh, no, that person's narcissistic. That it takes a lot of time because a lot of the personality disorders will have very similar um, traits or components or symptoms, um, you know, from another. And so you'll need to at least sit with the patient for a year and a bit to really, really understand what is the um, overarching personality disturbance or dysfunction that um, we are dealing with and we are treating. Um, and in the end, you're still working towards um, helping the individual figure out the self. Um, so, you know, the diagnosis um, is important and maybe lots of healthcare workers don't say this, that the diagnosis is for us to understand what is happening and 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 how we eat it, but it is not the label that we put on you, and it is not the flu today. 
um, and you're getting treated for it, you are not called the flu tomorrow. But I often find in mental health that people are called or diagnosed, uh, you know, depressed or bipolar today, and then they are bipolar for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. um, and that shouldn't be the case. You are still uh, Joe Blog and Mary Ann or whatever your, your name is. You are still that person and you have to figure out, you know, what this means and how you need to integrate it and understand it in the context of your life um, and, and, and sort of get better and make it work for you. So, yeah, just that's just sort of also my two cents about, um, you know, understanding a person and, 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 and how, how we must not, uh, you know, push too much towards um, labeling um, and sort of giving someone a lifetime sentence with the diagnosis um, of a personality disorder. Mm, I love that. I love uh, I love how you said that. Um, and I think that's what I think, you know, we, we sometimes, yeah, don't speak about, you know, it's like the fact that, because I, I was, I was thinking, you know, um, is that sometimes your perception of a person is also environment related, because how you need to be at work, for instance, mm. is this, you know, assertive, authoritative, you know, type person, or else you're not going to get many things done depending on the, obviously the environment, you know, the, the, the job that you're in, but how someone presents at home might be completely different. So again, this person's perception of what, you know, you as a person are might be, you know, might be different. Um, do you find that as well? And, and obviously, I mean, we have to, you know, say, okay, you need to know yourself because, but there are these hats that you have to put on all the time, you know, mm -hmm. depending on the circumstances. I mean, you can't be the same person with your, ch with your children as an example. And one would hope not, you know, but do you find that people seem to put these different hats on? Yeah, um, I would definitely say, you know, that's the case. I mean, I can't be, um, you know, exactly the same, you know, therapist that I am as I am a, you know, the person that I am at home. I, you know, I can't engage with my life um, as a as a therapist. Um, but I think more than anything else i think if you are true to sort of you know who you are fundamentally um and you are not becoming a complete polar opposite you are just taking on um certain aspects that are necessary to do your function then i think it's obviously okay within that and yeah i mean it's it's complex it's really really complex and maybe even i i'm finding myself answering this question that's a bit of difficulty i think it's tricky you know because you you have to sort of um i don't want to say play the role but you have to um perform a certain function um, um and be in a certain kind of role um within your occupation um that you might not necessarily need to be at home but i think i think the thing that now keeps ringing back in my mind as long as wherever you are at work is not causing you significant um emotional disturbance or um is not impairing how you function as a human being i think that that's okay the moment you start crossing that threshold or that line then i think there is a problem and you need to reevaluate um um how you are but you know, if I think of myself in terms of who I am as a core, how I work with um, people at the hospital, my patients, how I'm at home, 
that doesn't change. Maybe the way that I will choose to engage with something um, at home versus um, at work um, might differ, but at the core um, and, and understanding who I am, I, I don't, I try, I think, I, let me rephrase that. I try my best to maintain consistency in that, in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, love you. Yeah. I love that you said that. Um, I definitely find that seems to be a shift with practitioners as well in the last 10 years, maybe 15 years. And I think 20 years ago, you know, when, my, when I met my wife, I mean, um, yeah, it was definitely different. I think definitely in a psychology space, you know, the whole psychodynamic, yeah. you know, aspects. And um, I remember when we were doing our software, you know, we had the one feature where we would send out reminders, you know, for appointments. And some of the psychologists hated it. it. Was like, no, but you can't do that because you know it's, you know it's. And I was like, but this is how the world seems to work. You know, like this is what people do. And they're like, no, but not in the, you know, not in that space. Um, and I just thought that was like kind of, you know, it wasn't. It just didn't sit right because that seems to be how the world is. And if you look at how therapists seem to handle social media, you know, there's lots of therapists that say, actually, this is who I am. Obviously, within reason, you know, there are boundary issues and stuff like that, but. You know, they are, you know, you can actually see them, you know, which I thought for a long time before that, I, f- I found that there was this, almost this, this veil, you know, you mm. couldn't be, and there was, and I thought that was very inauthentic. But again, this is my mm. my, my personal, you know, um, opinion on it. Uh, but I'm glad, like what you just said now is what I think, you know, the world should be. Because we all, we, we you know, that's your role. That's what you do. But, you know, that's also you as the person. You know, and I think people connect to that and you know, they connect to people, they connect to, you know, that's how Charles is, you know, yes, he's helping me with this and, you know, there's those boundaries, but, um, you know, that's how he is. Um, so I, I like that you said that. Um, I think we came to the end, um, but I want to ask you one last question, which is, you yeah. know, we try our best to get the topic, you know, uh, and discuss it in the best way possible. But is there anything around personality disorders that you think I should have asked you that I didn't? Sure. Um, I think you you asked it, you know, fairly comprehensive. And if I think about the conversation, we touched on different things and came back and that. I think maybe the only other question, and this is purely out of a, um, you know, selfish interest, is maybe you would have asked me, you know, how do we how do we treat personality disorders? And then I would have said, well. Um, everyone should just come to Evixia if they are worried about personality disorders or want to know more or want to find out. So, um, yeah, that's the only you know thing that I would add or comment um, about uh, personality disorders. But I think yeah, for the most part, you know, we we really um, in our own way, um, you know, covered it um, as best as we could. I, I think I'm not too sure of you know many other things that I would have wanted you to ask me or that I thought of i think it all came up and we sort of organically um said it as it came so yeah not nothing that i would add um you know exa- example maybe i think the other thing that if i think off the top of my head maybe some people would have wanted to know more about the specific different you know um but um you know I, I, which i'm actually happy to 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 you know talk a bit about um, just to add some information but i don't know if i can cover it um as comprehensively as and as one would need because 
my 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 fear about saying something is it's based on what my memory and how I associate it with. And someone picks up a word that I say, and then they say, "Okay, Charles said that, so that means that you you have you have a bit of this." Um, so if I'm going to you know go through some of the personality disorders, then I'm going to say that. Um, before you can call anybody or assume that you know this is something that somebody has or is dealing with, um, you know, uh, consult um, a health professional um, or you know do your research extensively uh, before you assume um, that that is the case. Hmm. I like that. Yeah, but um, I think right at the start. Yeah, yeah. Right at the start, you asked me about the different personality disorders, and I'm I'm happy to go through, um, you know, them to the best of my abilities. But I I started off with the cluster A, um, which is paranoid, schizotypal, and schizoid. And paranoids just I find, you know, that kind of patient presents as someone that is very distrusting um, and suspicious um, of you know of others or. Um, of spaces that they find themselves in, um, you get schizotypal rather, um, and they are um, quite uncomfortable um, in terms of how they engage with other people. Um, there is a bit of distortion um, and then sort of eccentric manner in which they are, you know, engage in understanding people um, and also how they are relating with people. Um, and then you get schizoid, which is um, they're very detached in how they relate and very uh, emotionally restricted um, um, in how they are choosing to engage in interpersonal relationships. Then you get the cluster Bs, um, which I think I mentioned, you know, there's, it's that hyper-emotionality, that erratic, dramatic flair. Um, and then I think the first one would be uh, borderline personality, which we actually... Uh, see quite often um, in our work at the at Fixia, and I think it is probably very underdiagnosed and um, um, you know sort of uh, misdiagnosed as bipolar per se. But that is you know it, it, the disorder itself is um, distinctive in the in the sense that there is an emotional um, emotional instability. Um, and volatility around how they are engaging in their relationships. Um, you have the dis histrionic personality disorder, and that is often um, excessive, um, I find, emotionality. Um, you know, it's sort of out there, overt, um, attention-seeking. Um, you get the narcissistic personality where um, there's a grandiosity, which essentially just you know, presenting with the facade or a mask of someone that we are not. Um, and that's often to um, um, engender or um, entice some kind of admiration. Um, and often, the you know, this personality type can be quite cold and um, uh, distant um, and sort of lack empathy. Um, and then you get an antisocial uh, personality disorder, which is often people that just have disregard for others and their boundaries um, and often just inconsiderate people. And sometimes people sort of, uh, you know, assume that that is indicative of narcissism, but, you know, it's actually, there is, there is a clear divide in that. And so people that you might think are narcissistic might actually have more uh, leaning or tendencies towards antisocial behavior. Um, and then you get the cluster C, 
uh, which is you know people that are fearful, anxious, um, and you get dependent uh, personality disorder, which is people that are quite submissive in their interpersonal relationships or their occupations, quite clingy. Um, you know, you get avoidant personality disorders, which is in sort of people that are fearful and inhibited in how they engage, um, you know, in their occupational spheres of functioning or relationships. And then you get obsessive compulsive um, personality disorder. Um, and I'm sure you probably heard many people, if you've heard bipolar and anxiety and depression, you've probably heard, oh, I'm very OCD. And, yeah. um, you know, that's sort of a preoccupation with control, um, you know, very rigid sort of um, way of engaging with things, um, you know, perfection um, and orderliness um, kind of a thing. Um, and these are sort of the, not sort of, they are the 10, you know, different personality types. And, and, and a lot of the times, you know, we have a bit of a mixture of, of all of them. Um, yeah, and then they interplay with one another. Mm, thank you for covering that in so much of detail. Um, I think coming back to, um, you know, how, how you work and um, more from a, you know, from looking at the personality disorders, I think we're definitely going to include all of your show notes, you know, the, your details in the show notes and, and normally end by saying, you know, if this ever resonated with anyone and, you know, they, they came, came across this and say, okay, I remember, you know, Charles mentioned OCD. I wonder, you know, if that's something I need to speak more about, you know, hopefully then they reach out and they yeah. say, um, and they speak to you and they say, you know, like, I do want to make an appointment or do want to get your feelings on, on this. I think in terms of how you work in, from the, you know, Evexia day clinic perspective, I think you have quite an interesting and, and definitely unique model. And I think anyone looking at that, you know, is, you know, should definitely look at that, but we'll include that, those details as well in the show notes, you know, so if anyone's okay. looking for that type of, of detail now uh, would be amazing. Um, but yeah, let's leave it there. Thanks very much for yeah. doing this. I, I think it was quite a, interesting but complex topic and just by speaking about it and even how you closed i think we could go i mean I, I, as you were saying that and i didn't want to open up another rabbit hole but we can go down the autism you know asd you know all of that because you know lots of those things could be diagnosed as personality disorder but that's mm -hmm. part of uh, you know um, the neuro neurodiverse aspects yeah. of you know how people um you know work or are mm -hmm. but thanks again i really really appreciate your time Welcome. Thank you. It's been a very big privilege and honor to, to be a part of the show. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. As always, stay tuned and we'll speak to you in the next episode. <music>